Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Bircher. I'm adding a quick note to this first episode six months after originally publishing it. Episode one is far from my best work. Please don't judge the entirety of my podcast based on this premiere episode. They get better. I got better. My delivery and editing improved dramatically to create more engaging and easier to listen to episodes later on, so stick with me. I'm still proud of the first few episodes, though. I created this podcast during the COVID-19 lockdown, and I took some feedback on earlier shows to improve those that came after. Feel free to skip ahead, but now, on to the original. Enjoy. Episode 1 is on Midori. This premiere episode will be on Midori, but before I get to drinking and discussing that, I thought I should tell you why I started this podcast and what I hope to achieve and what you as the listener can expect from it. So uh, the genesis of this podcast really is me keeping a New Year's resolution to myself. For the last two or three years, I've made a resolution, which is simply to drink more. Uh, And this admittedly is a bit tongue in cheek, but it's got some sincerity to it as well. I've got fortunate physiology that I don't have alcoholism in my family, so I can enjoy a drink without any any uh, risk of addiction. So that's a good thing. And also, I just really enjoy distilled spirits. I live in uh, Portland, Oregon, which is arguably the microbrew capital of the world, but it's had no influence on me because I don't really like beer. Uh, the same could be said for wine. I'll enjoy a wine now and again with dinner, but... I have no passion for it. Plus, there's tons of podcasts on beer and wine, so uh, you're likely not listening to this if that's your passion. Um, But what you can expect from this is I hope to be well-researched and educational, but beyond that, I want to be entertaining and also consistent. I think that that's why I would create this podcast and why you, the listener, would come back uh, for every episode as I create them. So that's a little bit about what you can expect. I mentioned before I live in Portland, Oregon, and a quick note on my access to distilled spirits in my home state of Oregon. We have here what's referred to as the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, and it's a governmental body that controls access to distilled spirits in the state, and they also regulate the sale primarily. And So in Oregon, distilled spirits are only sold through state-licensed liquor stores. So you can't buy vodka or rum or anything like that in a grocery store or Costco or nothing like that. You have to go to a liquor store, and they typically don't have the best hours, but they are open, you know, and, and fairly convenient at most times. I have friends that refer to the OLCC as the cartel, and the reason for that is they're price fixed. I see an advantage in that. It it means that I don't have to shop around. Simply the uh, price of a bottle here in Portland next door to me is the same as it would be, you know, anywhere else in the state. So the advantage of that is the OLCC has a quite nice website and they publish a 60 plus page monthly price list of all the liquors in the Coors. You can also search on a nice website and find which liquor store has what particular product in stock. So I see some advantages to that. Uh, And one of the big advantages that sort of forced my habits in buying is because I have to go to a dedicated liquor store, it's an entire store of flavor. There's every flavor you can imagine now. 
you know, be it a, a flavored vodka or rum or a liqueur that's specifically flavored. So that's one thing that I quite like about where I'm at. So now let's get on to Midori. And Midori is a green melon flavored liqueur. And before I get too much into it, I'm going to open the bottle. I've got a 75 milliliter bottle here in my hands. Uh, and I'm going to pour myself some. I'll, while I'm doing this, I'll tell you about. Jeez, if I can get this open. <laughs> oh, this is tough. This, okay, this is kind of shameful. I can't open the bottle. Ow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So I, I uh, beat the screw cap on Midori, and I have been able to open it. So um, I'm going to tell you how I plan to taste and describe the spirits. But uh, first, we'll pour a little. So I'll be tasting uh, liquor and liqueurs neat at room temperature. And I'm going to use a nosing glass, um, which is a tulip-shaped glass that helps to concentrate the uh, aromas near the top. And uh, typically they're used for whiskey, um, but I figure I'll use them for all the spirits. I may then uh, add some ice if, uh, if it warrants it. Perhaps uh, some drinks benefit from cutting with a bit of water as well. But that's my general... Uh, theory is to try the spirit room temperature neat so Midori in the glass is green that's the first <laughs> thing you see uh, is it's green it's only 20% alcohol by volume which means it's 40 proof so it doesn't have you know really overly pronounced legs the uh, kind of alcohol running down the side of the glass but you know looking at it it is glowing green uh, and let's on the nose, it's very fresh melon. As you would expect, it, it smells of melon, so give it a taste. Mmm. That is <laughs> my old friend. That is good. Uh, it is sweet, is the one thing you'll notice. A liqueur, what makes a liqueur different from a liquor, is a liqueur is a distilled spirit that uh, typically has sugar and other kind of flavor agents added after uh, the neutral grain spirit typically is distilled. But um, Midori's taste of fresh melon, uh, it kind of reminds me of summer. The mouthfeel, it, it's sort of a little velvety on the sides of the tongue for me. Uh, but yeah, overall it's uh, good, sweet, I like it. Have another one. Mm. Yeah, it is uh, quite good. I'll also note that most liquors in the Coors will have kind of a signature cocktail or something that they're well-suited for. This isn't intended to be a cocktail show. I'll, I'll talk about some of the good cocktails that the, uh, the spirits can be used in, but it's not my intention to be giving recipes out or, you know, trying to mix a drink here in front of a microphone. Um, so just keep that in mind. So I chose Midori as my first spirit 
for this podcast, primarily because I love it. I, I've always enjoyed the flavor. I have a bit of an affinity for the color green. And also, um, I thought it was Swedish for more than a decade. Uh, when I was first drinking Midori, and I've been of legal drinking age for more than 20 years, um, but when I was first drinking Midori in my early 20s, uh, the bottle and label design didn't mention Japan at all. Um, so Midori is a product of Suntory uh, Distillery in Japan, and that's apparent on the label now. It, it clearly says infused with Jap Japanese melons. But in the early 2000s, uh, Japan wasn't listed anywhere. And I remember uh, reading in a men's magazine a little article about Midori and I must have confused Suntory with Sweden, and you know I'm sure I misquoted this for quite some time. So somehow I thought, yeah, Midori, it's Swedish. Um, so that's one of the reasons I chose this as the, the first episode uh, feature. Interesting thing also about Midori is Midori is the Japanese word for green. So it is very literal because it is a bottle of green liquid and so they just named it green but Midori sounds nice and so that that makes sense so Midori's roots go all the way back to 1964 which actually is quite young in the world of distilled spirits but 1964 uh, Centauri launched a melon liqueur under their brand Hermes it's Hermes or Hermes I, I believe it's French and I'm mispronouncing it I'm sure but they had a couple other flavors, um, and they launched Melon in 1964. And the more you learn about kind of Japanese culture and their affinity for melon and a particular melon, uh, it makes sense that they would sort of bottle the flavor. So the Midori bottle itself is fairly textured, and it's kind of got a rough bottom part on it. Um, and then there's above the shoulder, it's sort of a classic pyramid shape. But the outside of the bottle, the main part, is reminiscent of a melon rind. And it's a specific kind of melon. It's the musk melon. And the musk melon is available only in certain parts of Japan. And the Japanese highly, highly prize them. Uh, you know, a, a cheap one is $20 U.S., and they'll routinely sell for several hundred dollars. Uh, the, the farmers of these musk melons take tremendous care. They'll only grow one per vine. And they, I mean, they really baby this fruit. And it's a highly prized fruit. And it's, I've never had one because I've not wanted to import one. Uh, but it looks essentially like a green cantaloupe. Uh, and apparently has a, you know, a wonderful flavor, which I believe to taste mostly like Midori. Um, so in 1964, uh, Suntory bottled this flavor and uh, called it uh, Hermes Melon Liqueur. Then in 1971, there was uh, an International Bartenders Association Championship and a lot of U.S. bartenders saw the Hermes Melon Liqueur, and it gained some notoriety there. And I guess that was some, you know, early market research, if you will, of trying out this new melon-flavored liqueur. So, uh, 71 is sort of when it came to the world stage. But 
the official launch and rebranding of Hermes to Midori happened in 1978. And Midori had perhaps one of the grandest launch parties of any uh, spirit brand to date. They launched in 1978 at the legendary Studio 54, the most famous nightclub of the time in New York City, and it was at a Saturday Night Fever rap party. So Saturday Night Fever is a disco film uh, starring a, at the time, young up-and-coming actor named John Travolta. And in the late 70s, there were not a lot of fruit-flavored liqueurs, uh, certainly nothing melon-flavored. You get some orange and whatnot. But there was nothing as green as Midori. Uh, and so the, the sweetness, the flavor, the color really lent itself to some, I'm sure, fun disco cocktails at uh, Saturday Night Fever Rap Party at Studio 54. So that would have been, uh, I'm sure there were some stories from that. And in the same year, uh, 1978, Midori found fame again, or some notoriety as being the primary ingredient in a cocktail named The Universe that won first prize at the U.S. Bartenders Guild annual competition. And I'll put the uh, recipe for the cocktail in the show notes on this episode. But that kind of brought Midori to the world stage, uh, as it were. And by 1981, worldwide sales had already exceeded 100,000 cases, which is quite a bit. So the Spirit Midori took off in the late 70s and early 80s. And uh, so much so that by 1987, uh, Centauri had started production in Mexico to kind of feed this demand. So through the 80s and 90s, sales continued to grow. Uh, They reached 200,000 cases worldwide by 1999. Uh, And by 2001, they moved another uh, 50,000 cases annually. So they're up to a quarter million cases of Midori every year. In 2003, Centauri expanded again and started production in France to meet European demand. And I'll talk a little bit about the difference in the French production versus Mexican production in just a little bit. But uh, the growth of the brand continued, um, and they made a few changes along the way. In 2007, there was a packaging update, and they refined the taste a little bit, probably to meet uh, some consumer preferences. Uh, but they were rewarded with sales because they had moved uh, 300,000 cases of Midori worldwide. And then come 2013, so maybe just uh, five years later, they changed the formulation again to be uh, slightly less sweet. Uh, And it's noted this was based on consumer research to make it a little less sweet. They also changed the bottle design a little bit. And this pre-2013 bottle was the one that I uh, sort of grew up buying and drinking. It was uh, clear. The label was a little more holographic than what the current bottle label is. And as I mentioned earlier, it didn't say anything about Japan, nothing Japanese. Current bottle very clearly says infused with Japanese melons. But, uh, you know, the old clear glass bottle... Uh, and the more holographic label was what I used to drink. But that was um, 
apparently a sweeter product then as well. One of the things I really like about liquors and liqueurs specifically is kind of the production process and what goes into making the product that you can then enjoy in your glass. And Midori is no exception. It's rather complex the way that Suntory manufactures the product. And um, it starts with a neutral grain spirit, but that's just really to give it the alcohol and the shelf life. But the essence comes from two types of Japanese melons. I'd mentioned the musk melon previously, and that's really the, the overriding flavor. Uh, I think that's what the color note comes from, certainly is the green, is the musk melon. But from what I could tell, it looks like predominantly they use a, another prized melon, though not as prized, referred to as the Yubari uh, melon. And I may not be pronouncing that correctly, but uh, Centauri uh, works with farmers in certain regions of Japan where the Yubari melons are grown. They're harvested in June and July, and they're pulped and kind of flash frozen to kind of seal in that freshness and the flavor that you get. And a similar process is done with the musk melons. They're harvested, uh, kind of pulped and, and flash frozen to retain the, the essence. And then when they are ready to start Midori production, they'll use a neutral grain spirit and the thawed pulp of the Yabari melon. And with the Yabari, they make two products. They make an infusion and a distillate, and then they'll combine those two. And there's a little difference in, in them, but the infusion, they'll use an enzyme to break down some of the, the fibers and the pulps with the neutral grain spirit to create kind of a, a Yabari melon flavored neutral grain spirit. And they'll also do a distillate using a similar process, but they'll add some water to that. Uh, importantly, they never ferment the melon, so it's the alcohol does not come from the melon. It's the neutral grain spirit that they're adding to the melon pulp, and then they're either infusing or distilling it. So they'll have Yabari distillate and... Um, infusion and the distillate will have a uh, 59% alcohol by volume so that's a, a pretty uh, stout proof near it's 118 proof uh, when they're done with that and they'll combine the yubari with a musk melon uh, distillate as well and so they'll they'll take those three products and blend them so the resulting concentrate is 59% uh, alcohol by volume. It's mostly clear, but with an orange hue to it, and the orange coloration is picked up from the Ubaria melon, which, as far as I can tell, looks similar to a cantaloupe. Uh, but again, this is not a melon I've tried because it's grown only in Japan. It's rather expensive, and I don't want to import one just to taste a fruit that likely tastes like Midori. Uh, so you've got a... a a high proof spirit that Suntory refrigerates and as far as I can tell they're not doing finishing of Midori production in Japan anymore they ship the refrigerated concentrate to Mexico and France and the Mexican plant produces 80 to 85 percent of the world's Midori so the Midori I'm sampling now I am certain came from Mexico and France makes the rest for the European market including the UK 
and I've read that the French production is a bit sweeter by design than what they finish in Mexico. So if any of my listeners happen to be in Europe and wanted to hook me up with some of the French production Midori, I would be in your debt. You can get in contact with me uh, through the website or social media. Um, But I would like to try that. That'd be nice. Midori also is a primary ingredient in a couple couple cocktails that it's well known for. Uh, The one that I always would order if I'm at a bar and feeling like I want some Midori is a Midori Sour, which is just Midori and Sour Mix, typically, and a a red maraschino cherry. You get that kind of green-yellow from the sour and the red of the cherry. Um, The other really famous cocktail, and it's actually listed on the back of this bottle I have in my hand here, is the uh, Midori Melon Ball. So I'll have a few links to cocktail recipes in the show notes for this episode. So in summary, I'll just say that uh, I've enjoyed this portion of Midori I've been drinking as I've been recording this podcast, and it really is a treat. It is sweet. It doesn't give you a hard alcohol burn that you get with a higher proof spirit. Um, And so I've quite enjoyed it, and I hope you've enjoyed learning a little bit about it and hearing me speak on it. Uh, Midori is... The first, or the original melon liqueur, it's often copied now. There's many generics. You can get just melon liqueur. Um, but Midori certainly is a premium version, and I doubt that other brands making melon liqueur actually use real melon, likely not expensive Japanese melons, if they are. Uh, I'm not entirely sure on that, but Midori is the original. So if you've not tried it, I invite you to pick up a bottle, try it straight, mix it in a cocktail, see what you like. So that's going to wrap it up for this premiere episode of Liquor in the Core Connoisseur. Thank you for sticking with me and listening. Uh, you know, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe, uh, tell your friends, listen to more episodes. I'll have show notes on the website, which is liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. Um, podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere you'll get your podcasts. It'll be available. I'm also on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, it's Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. It's difficult to spell, but Google will pretty much set you straight. So uh, thank you for listening and look forward to talking to you in another episode.